Hello and welcome to our viewers on cruxinvestor.com and also to our listeners on Cruxcast, our podcast series. And for those of you new to Crux Investor, please click the button in the corner of the screen to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're talking today to Craig Parry, who's the CEO of ISO Energy. They're a Canadian uranium explorer on the TSXV. He's going to talk us through his assets, the involvement of NextGen, and their strategy for the coming year. For these topics and more, check the description below and click on the relevant timestamp. Hi, Craig. How are you? Good, Matt. How are you? Not so bad. Well, thanks for joining us today, making the time to tell your story. Um, we usually get people to kick off with a sort of two-minute summary on their business. Why don't you do that, and we'll get stuck into some questions. Sure. Thanks, Matt. So we're uh, ISO Energy. We're a uh, uranium explorer focused on the eastern Athabasca. We're the first of the spin-outs from NextGen Energy, of course, NextGen uh, having discovered the Arrow uranium deposit, that business has now grown from a $10 million market capitalization to an $800 million market cap. They're, they're moving that production, uh, that project into production. Uh, and we're a spin out. So we, we're essentially the business development and exploration arm, very much focused on the Eastern Athabasca. We've built up a big land position out there, very well funded in part, thanks to the support of NextGen. Uh, we've, uh, We've raised 17 million to date uh, and very pleased to report that we've made a recent discovery there in that eastern Athabasca on our La Roque East property. Uh, we're drilling our hurricane deposit out as we speak. Uh, and, you know, um, that, that's a fast growing deposit. I think we're the only uranium junior with a, a recent high grade discovery. Love to understand the thinking, the rationale, the thesis behind setting up now. Obviously, we saw in the last cycle. You know, it went from 50 companies to 500 companies. Um, I would like a sort of sense of where you think you are now in that cycle and, you know, how you got to where you are today. Let's, let, let's start with that and then we kind of get into it. Sure. So, look, you know, where we are in that cycle, I think we're probably, you know, we saw back in 2005 to 2007 a, a massive boom in uranium and uranium equities prices. Uranium price went from $9 a pound to $130 a pound. Uh, and then off the back of that, there were some spectacular gains in that bull market, that boom market. Paladin Energy, for example, went from $0.02 cents to $10. Uh, dramatic increases in equity valuations. And I think we're probably at about 2003, 2004. We, we might be a year or two away from a serious boom, uh, but the scene is set for, for that boom now. Uh, and then, you know, against that backdrop, we've always been bullish on, on uranium, and hence we set up Next Gen Energy back in 2011 and 12. Lee Courier, myself, and Chris McFadden uh, got that company up and running. Lee, Lee was the main driver, of course. and um, we helped fund the company and, and get Lee started there. And, and, you know, he's delivered spectacularly well for us and, and our other shareholders. Uh, he made that discovery there, the Arrow discovery in mm. NextGen back in 2013. Mm. Uh, and, of course, that saw uh, NextGen, despite markets being as bad as we've ever seen them. NextGen, we, we, we did the original financing there at $0.05. Cents. Uh, now trading around $2 today, got as high as $4 uh, a while yeah. back. So, you know, the thesis is playing out. I think um, globally demand for uranium continues to grow strongly. It's, it's a, a low carbon 
uh, solution to to energy problems globally. So you know we we've always liked the thesis for it, and we set up ISO Energy against that. Right, let's, let's talk about that. Let's let's talk about your company. That's what we want to understand. So. You, you guys were associated with NextGen. They're a major shareholder, 53%. Um, whose idea was it to set up ISO Energy? Why'd you do it? Well, look, we took that decision as a board. We had a bit of a challenge there. With the discovery of Arrow, uh, you know, our ex investors there at NextGen expected us to focus all of our time, dollars, and efforts on that deposit. Uh, and that saw our very good portfolio out in the eastern Athabasca not seeing much love and attention. Uh, and, and, you know, being uranium bulls, we thought there's a lot more we can do out there. There's an opportunity in, in, in weak markets to build up a much bigger land position in what is really the most uh, prospective part of the world for uranium. Uh, so in 2016, we took that decision. Uh, I came on board as CEO. I, I was a director of NextGen, of course, and, and, and involved there. But um, I took the decision to, or we took the decision to, to come on board as CEO. I moved my family to Vancouver back in uh, early 2016 to, to run the company. Uh, we staffed the company up. You know, we, we raised, I think, in that first capital raise we did in late 2016, we raised $6 million. Now that was at a time when really no one else in the sector was raising much money at all apart from Next. NextGen, of course, at that time was very successful. We had Lee Kashin come in as an investor yep. uh, then, but um, but other companies really, really struggling to raise capital. So that sort of set us up very, very well. Uh, and we're very fortunate we, we, we managed at that time to build up a, a build on the team we had. Um, but the, the, the key addition to the team at that point was a, a man called Steve Blower. Uh, Steve was the head of exploration for Denison. He led the team that discovered, discovered the Griffin part of the Wheeler River ore body, which is a big chunk of value in that company. Uh, so Steve joined us, and, and Steve's been in, instrumental in the growth and, and success we've had here at uh, ISO. So Steve's our head of uh, exploration here and has led our discovery that we've made recently. Right, okay. But... You're 33 ish million dollar company. It's it's early days. Um, you know the, the uranium market. You go into great lengths in the document. I think we we've certainly covered off in previous interviews with uh, uranium fund managers, etc. A little bit about that. I, I'm interested in how you think as a small company. You're all big company. There's a, there's a great board. You've got a great board. There's some big names. You know you're all next gen. You know that that's well-told story they're a major shareholder but how does moving from a big company like that into you know back into the you know lower end of the junior market let's face it right um how, how does how does that work in today's environment how much i mean how sure. much cash have you got today I mean, how much cash have you got yep yep yeah look at all, all good questions and i suppose one, one of the things yeah, as I say, we're, we're believers in uranium. Hmm. Uh, and if you're going to explore for uranium, uh, you, you, you should do it in the places where the biggest and best and highest grade deposits are. So, yeah. you, you know, so we, we saw that opportunity as a real, uh, you know, something that was being missed by the market and, and um, it, it was opportunistic in part. We had a bigger uh, mandate, bigger remit, of course. You know, we saw... Uh, a lot of opportunities around the world to acquire major assets uh, at, at uh, bottom of market prices. Um, unfortunately, you, you know, as you do due diligence on some of these things outside the Athabasca Basin, what you find is that they're not quite as good as 
uh, as, as people and the market would have you believe. So we haven't made any of those acquisitions outside the Athabasca Basin. Uh, but, you know, we've stuck to our knitting and expanded our portfolio out in eastern Athabasca. And so you're right, our, our board, Chris McFadden, had a 20-year career there at Rio Tinto, uh, general manager, uh, commercial and exploration, for example. Uh, I was with Rio Tinto for nine years. Uh, Lee Courier, our chairman and, and uh, co-founder and founder of C and CEO of NextGen, Lee uh, you know, he built a uranium business in Australia, went on to be the head of um, First Reserves, uh, a private, major private equity group there in the UK, their, their uranium business. So, you know, there's a sort of thick stream of, of big company experience, uranium experience. Uh, and, you know, that, that what we've, what that gives us, I suppose, and, and the reason we've sort of gone into exploration is we see there's a big opportunity but we also have that experience to take a project from its earlier stages, just at Lee, as Lee's doing it next gen there with Arrow, take it from exploration all the way into development and eventually into production. And so having that sort of expertise on the board uh, affords us uh, an advantage over, we think, a lot of our competitors. Right. And, but, but what about the cash component? Obviously, you know, next gen, they're, they're advanced now, okay? They're a $700 million company. Um, yeah. But it's, it's kind of irrelevant at this point because no one can produce at these prices. Spot prices is what it is. You've got to wait for the market to pop before it goes. You know, and everyone, you know, you've got a lot of people sitting on former producing assets, DFSs, you know, which they can get into production relatively quickly. So the, let's all assume the market's going to pop. You guys, you're early exploration. So you're going to miss this cycle, aren't you? Look, I, I don't think so. And I, I think, you know, of course, we offer shareholders the opportunity to come in, get set, invest at the earliest two stages. And there's opportunities to, to get on and off uh, a story as, as, the, as the cycle evolves. Uh, Next Gen, for example, they will, I think, absolutely get the sweet spot of the boom. You know, the guys there are into that uh, permitting the earliest of stages of development. Uh, so they were well set up on that front. Um, I think for us, uh, you know, what we hope for, of course, in, in the uranium market is that things are much more sustainable. You, you know, that boom in 2007 saw that dramatic jump in price and then uh, a fairly rapid collapse, of course, uh, you know, in part driven by Kazakhstan bringing on dramatic new supply. Um, we don't have those same factors at play now. You, you, you know, there, there is potential for some new production to come on stream, um, you know, potentially return to production from MacArthur River, but, but importantly from Next Gen's Arrow. Uh, you know, they'll be the biggest source of supply to come back on stream. But, you know, what we hope for is a much more sustained and steady increase in, in uranium prices over time. Um, so, you know, that provides opportunity. I think for us, though, you know, we, we've made a, a discovery uh, in the eastern Athabasca, a hurricane discovery. We made that in July last year. So we're very well positioned as the only company with a new recent discovery as this bull market starts to take uh, take hold, gather steam. So, you know, we're pretty well set up. But just to go back to your question on, on funding, uh, having that support and success of, of Next Gen behind us uh, has allowed us to, to raise money when others haven't. So. Uh, right. We we raised 
Uh, we've raised $17 million so far over the last two and a half years. We raised $5.5 million in a bought deal from Cormark and PI Financial back in December last year. You know, that was, um, we, I think we were the first uranium junior uh, in many years to do a substantial bought deal type financing. So that set us up pretty well. We've still got about $4 million in the bank at the moment. And, um you know, we've got good, strong support from NextGen as a major shareholder as well. So that, that sets us up neatly, I think, okay. uh, to benefit emerging okay. bull market. That, okay. So a lot of moving parts here. Obviously, the uranium market's quite unusual. You know, it's a very large contract market in terms of when people do get into production. Utilities are buying it, you know, five, on five-year cycles typically, and the spot market's a lot smaller. So the, there's that component which you don't necessarily have in quite a few other commodities. To, to contend with, um, but okay, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll, I'll take your lead. Let's let's talk about uh, next gen. They've got fifty three percent. I presume they've followed the money the whole way through. I mean, or, or have they? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Right. So the last two financings we've done, uh, you, you know, they've they've backed substantially. So that five and a half million dollar financing we did back in December. Uh, Next gen put in one and a half million of that, so you know you right. can see that level. So it's 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 substantial. Um, you know, I think that the company would like to retain a, a majority stake in ISO Energy um, going forward as well. Well, I guess that's optionality for them, really, isn't it? So they're, they're not they're Absolutely. not they're not taking the they're not financing pro rata, but they are coming in for a meaningful amount, and at some point they've got a decision to make. So. The relationship that you have with them, you're all, you know, you've got a, you've got a very close relationship with them, former, you know, you work there, right? Um, what is the basis of that relationship? Who leads who? They're a majority shareholder, but who runs the company? No, look, very independent in that sense. So, so you know, the, when we set up the company initially, um, all of the same board members, Lee's now bolstered the board there at NextGen. So, uh, you, you know, you've had Warren Gilman come on board. Warren was leading Lee Cushing and CEF's investment in the company. Mm. Uh, he's now expanded the board most recently. I actually stepped off the board uh, a couple of months ago, primarily to focus on ISO energy and, and what we're doing here because, you know, the company's growing rapidly as this deposit that we're drilling out at the moment grows. So I, I needed to step back and focus on that. So I, I stepped off the board, but I also made way for Brad Wall, who was the former Premier of Saskatchewan, uh, you know, a tremendous individual to, to bring onto the board as an independent director. So, um, you know, he's bolstered that board. But over at ISO, we've still got the original next-gen board and, and backing there and those guys, you know, their track record success speaks for themselves so um speaks for itself i should say so uh you know the the connection the tie is very strong uh, i suppose when we set up the company we saw that iso would be effectively a, an, a you know an exploration and business development arm in some sense but i should say that they're very independent companies lee lets me get along get on with the team here and run the company independently um, you know, with all those checks and balances and good governance that you would expect uh, to have uh, with an independent board in place as well. Right, because so, at the moment, obviously, you, you, you've got a bunch of exploration uh, targets and assets which you're working on. You, you are sort of de facto exploration arm of NextGen in, in, in a way. They've kept that optionality and they have control 
uh, of the, the company in the sense that they have 53% today. Um, you know, at what point does it, that conversation come along where they go, okay, this is now in our interests. You, you've delivered to a, you know, delivered the company to a position where it's really interesting to us. The value is there for us to take and we'll, we'll, we'll take control of this again. I mean, is there a piece of paper which talks about that or is it these just conversations which may turn up? Some point. No, look, there, there, there isn't, there, there's certainly no piece of paper that, that, that stipulates any of that. And there's no shareholder agree, agreement or anything like that. NextGen's, uh, you, you know, it's, it's uh, shareholdings carry the exact same rights as all other shareholders. So mm. completely independent in that sense. But I do think that, you know, if you're going to grow, uh, I, I think that, that NextGen, with that arrow deposit has the potential to be the most significant uranium business in the world. Um, that includes Cameco and Kazatomprom. Uh, Lee's talking about they're producing 25 million pounds per annum plus at uh, really a step change in cost base to other producers globally. I, I think once built arrow will occupy almost the entire first quartile of the cost curve uh, at a at a significant discount to every other producer. So there you have the potential to build the world's biggest, most significant and successful uranium producer. Uh, and, you, you know, if you're going to build a serious, serious business, a serious uh, company with scale, then you do need other projects, of course. And so having having a foothold in, in ISO, should any of our, our work lead to uh, a serious deposit and we think we're getting close on that front with our hurricane discovery that we made midway through last year. Uh, you know, having other projects of quality uh, is important as you grow that business. So, I look, it, it's far too early to speculate on, on how that all may play out, but, but certainly having a supportive shareholder like NextGen there is absolutely a great thing for us. No, for, 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 for sure, but what I'm trying to understand is as, if I'm coming in as a new investor, should I be investing in ISO or should I be investing in next gen? Sure. No, very different, very different value propositions. I think, you know, next gen, of course, uh, it, it's, uh, well, um, over an order of magnitude larger than us in terms of market capitalization, 700, $800 million market cap versus our $30 million market cap at the moment. Uh, and, and very different risk profile, of course. You know, that arrow deposit is, is now a true tier one deposit moving in through, you know, they're moving very rapidly through those stages of permitting and development. Uh, so it's a development story and, and you know, against a, an improving, a backdrop of an improving or, or bullish uranium market it will always do very well. Um, our, our proposition, you know, we carry, you know, we're, we're, we're in the exploration phase got a recent discovery we don't know how big that is yet we're, we're trying to find out as mm -hmm. we speak we've got a, a drill rig turning i think we're on to hold uh three as we speak of of our summer drill program uh you, you know that could grow very very rapidly of course um and and ergo as it develops uh you know our our, our growth profile could could be substantial as well very very different to, to next gen though because we do you know, it's an exploration play and we carry all of that exploration risk, of course. For sure, for sure. So I'm, what, I'm, what I'm hearing is you're telling me reputationally, because you guys have come from the, the right backgrounds, we should, we should trust you. We 
you've got NextGen as a large shareholder, we should trust you and them. Um, you've got some assets which you believe will become valuable, so we should trust you. But I don't quite at the moment understand the, your, your strategy. If it's a go drill some holes, see what we've, what we've got, we're in the right postcode, we're bound to find something. What's the moment where the value is created for you know shareholders like me, new people coming sure, into the sure. into the company? I should be thinking, well, do I just hold off and wait till these guys have gone a little bit further? Do I come in now while the price is good? And quite frankly, at some point, do they lose control because next gen find it too interesting to ignore? Yeah, good good question. I look the the real value there, I suppose, for for investors. We've made that discovery. Our share price has only just started to move. If, if people look at our website, isoenergy.ca, uh, you'll see our corporate presentation in there. And we put in next-gen share price chart just as a guide as to what happens uh, when you make a discovery of, of significance in the Athabasca Basin. Uh, as I say, we took next-gen from $0.05 cents to trading at $2 a share today. So, you know, delivered investors 40 times their original investment and counting mm -hmm. uh, at ISO Energy. You know, most of the money that we've put in personally and that has come in so far has been at around a dollar. So we're, we're under delivering on that front. Uh, but back when we drilled that discovery hole, we were trading, this is July last year, we're trading at about 27 cents a share, now trading at uh, around 50, 52 cents a share today. So that discovery started to deliver value for shareholders, um, but you know the upside is is dramatic. Of course, you know some significant, serious data points out there. Uh, next gen share price chart. Take a look at Denison. Denison's uh, you know valuation on a significant discovery there. They've got Phoenix and Ara and uh, Griffin, which which Steve Blower led the team to discover. Uh, market capitalization of about 400 million today. We've seen fission go from zero to a few hundred million dollar market cap. Uh, and then of course, people will remember, particularly in Canada, the success that Hathor had. Now Hathor discovered the Rough Rider all body, body back in 2010, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, 2009, 10. Uh, they took that from a very small market cap and sold that that company to Rio Tinto for for $587 million back in 2012 in a post-Fukushima environment, I should say, as well. So, you know, a discovery in the Athabasca, particularly in the Athabasca because the grades are so high uh, and, and the density of value in those deposits is so great. Uh, those discoveries can deliver real value to shareholders. So that you know, that's the over overall picture. That's where things can go. That's that's right. the opportunity. Do you do you do you think, or do, are you worried at all that you are getting the kind of Canadian premium? I mean, everyone wants it, um, and you're also getting a premium because of the connection with NextGen. Because you know, there are a lot of companies out there which are much further along the development curve than you okay you're early stage exploration in the right postcode you're on the right postcode but there are people with sitting with more pounds on the ground in terms of you know measurement indicator they've got the dfs down ready to go they're sitting at a roughly the same market cap as you right and that's that's got to hurt <laughs> that's that has got to hurt but so but does that not worry you in terms of okay if i look at the money you put in so far 17 and a half million you 
market caps double that. It's great. Okay, that's like that's like a really good start. Um, but when you get going, do you think you're going to continue to receive that same premium? Um, based on who you're associated with, what you've done in the past, well, you, you are going to have to start producing some numbers and get some drill holes and you know create some real value that way with the with the asset and what's on the ground. So uh, does that hold some uh, fear for you? It's a tough one to answer because I think we're getting a Canadian discount at the moment. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's good. That's good. Is that your version of we're undervalued? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you, you've seen, of course, a lot of the risk capital has been sucked out of the Canadian market into other sectors. And of course, the big one is the cannabis sector here. And, and so, you, you know, money has, funds have dried up for, for the resource sector to some extent. Um, you now compare that to Australia. And of course, uh, very interesting first half of 2019 for investors in the resource space because Australia uh, finally overtook uh, Canada as, as, um, as, as a place where most capital is being raised for mining projects. Now, that, that's happened rarely on other occasions in history, but uh, I think eventually we'll see that money come back into Canada and this will be again the, the primary mine financing destination in the world. So, you know, there, there's been a few um, things happening on that front. Uh, but I think, and if you look at some of the Aussie names in the uranium space, uh, there's some good good projects there, certainly advanced projects, but then you look at the grade of those projects and um, and their orders of magnitude, smaller, lower grade than what we're, we're drilling at the moment mm -hmm. uh, at our hurricane deposit or for you know, example, uh, Next Gen's Arrow deposit. So, um, you, you know, I certainly think just generally, if you look at the Athabasca Basin, uh, value of property in that part of the world, it's very hard to put your foot on, on anywhere, particularly in the eastern Athabasca. And since, uh, since the Arrow discovery, the southwestern part of the Athabasca, that ground always carries significant value. Uh, you, you know, when, when we started, next, uh, started uh, ISO, we did a deal to acquire a property uh, called our North Thorburn property. We we paid the owner of that project, Jody De Rouge, a uh, million dollars in stock in in ISO. Now it's a very well located property, um, and we think has great potential. But at that stage, it had no real modern exploration done on it. So, property in the Eastern Athabasca, because and because of the 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 opportunity that it presents is always highly valued. And hence, you know, I think you do see uh, Athabasca Basin companies having potentially, you know, as you say, a premium. I think, you know, not, not really a premium, just more value ascribed because of, to them because they're in the Athabasca Basin. Yeah, well, that's a tough one, right? That, that, that's a tough one. You're sort of doing peer, peer analysis. There's a, there's a bunch of variables you, you get to. But, you know, I think for those guys, yeah, there's an acceptance clearly Athabasca Basin. I think the Aussie, some Aussies are trying to you would position the northern, northern, uh, northern parts of Australia. We won't name names, you know, as the Athabasca of Australia. The you know the, the Kazakhs have got their version, and everywhere else is fairly low grade. I, I you know I, I buy I buy that, but 
again, I want to come back to this from a position of, you know, our, our subscribers, followers are retail, their family office, their high net worth, okay? So we've done a lot of work with them, shared a lot of information with them about the marketplace, um, the opportunity, you know, I think it's a general acceptance that it's gonna go when the utilities, you know, deal with this 232 issue, which I'm not gonna ask you about, uh, we've talked about it enough, um, is, <laughs> is um, you know, how do junior companies like yourselves survive? How do you keep the lights on? long enough to get to cash flow? How do you keep people interested in what you're doing long enough to be able to raise money at a reasonable rate? Because it, you know you are gonna to have to raise more money. It is gonna be dilutory. Your share price isn't gonna stay the same unless you start delivering some results onto the ground, right? Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, look, absolutely, absolutely. And I think you know the way we've set ourselves apart uh, on that front, firstly, having that next gen connection has been tremendous, and, and yeah. you know, our original backers in ISO had made a lot of money out of next gen, uh, and and hence we've found it, you know, fairly n never easy to raise capital, particularly in, in the worst uranium market anyone's ever seen, but probably relatively easy easier than our competitors. Yeah, but let's get to you and what you're going to do. Because if I do a word search sure. on the transcription of this, I'm going to hear next gen more than I've heard ISO. And I think that you guys got to take that experience and convert it or tell people how you're going to convert it yep. to get people interested in what you're doing. So what what sure. is it that you're going to do? That Why should people come in now? Sure, sure, sure. Well, let, let's, let's talk you know, broadly about what we're doing, the, the, the strategy. So our strategy is so very, very simple. Mm. And that is put your foot on as much of the, the eastern Athabasca as you can, still the most prospective part of the world mm. for high-grade uranium deposits. That, yeah. Uh, you know, we're surrounded by them. Our, our Thorburn Lake property, for example, is right next door, six kilometres away from and a long strike from Cigar Lake, one of the world's great uranium mines. Mm -hmm. So put your foot on as much of that prospective ground as you can. Do it as cheaply as you can, and of course, our timing's been very good at that. That on that front, uh, yeah. you know, having having the team we've got, particularly Steve Blower on board, we've had great connections into the May other majors, Cameco, Arriva, now Rano, and JCU. Yeah. Uh, do deals with those guys, and um, and uh, you know, build up a bigger land land position in that prospective area. Mm -hmm. Then. Take what we've learnt from NextGen and what Steve's learnt from that Griffin ore body. Griffin, of course, is another basement hosted deposit. You know, most of the deposits that have been explored for and discovered out in the eastern Athabasca are basement hosted. Uh, sorry, are conformity associated. We now recognise that those basement hosted deposits like Arrow, NextGen's Arrow, yeah. uh, are the best things to find and explore for because they they can be. Um, built much more cheaply and operate uh, more cost effectively than those those unconformity related deposits. So take our learnings from those deposits uh, and apply them to the eastern Athabasca that's never been effectively or thoroughly explored for those types of deposits. We think there'll be many other basement hosted deposits in the eastern Athabasca that just haven't been looked for. Uh, and then the other thing is that going back to 2007, a huge amount of money was raised around that time. Uh, and a lot of those dollars went into drill holes in that eastern Athabasca basin. Mm -hmm. Of course, all of those explorers ran out of money in 2011 at the same time, and that included Cameco and others. They cut back their exploration budgets in the wake of Fukushima. And so that meant a hell of a lot of first-pass drilling was done in that eastern Athabasca 
mineralized intercepts were hit in that drilling, but they've never been followed up because there's been no money for those explorers to do them. And what we've found is, you know, it's it's a dripping roast of opportunities there. But where's that uh, data areas. now? Who owns that data? So that, that, that data, you know, is publicly available largely because it's in assessment reports. Uh, so we, we know we've gone through those and we've done a ranking and prioritisation process for every single property, every target on the eastern Athabasca. I think we've gone through over, uh, we've ranked and prioritised 7,000 different opportunities in the eastern Athabasca. We've whittled those down to a short list of 25 and then we've gone and put our foot on as many of those that we can and we've managed to do that successfully. Our Geiger property is a good example of that, that strategy playing out. Hurric um, our La Rockies, where we've discovered hurricanes, same situation. The Geiger property, when we acquired that off Cameco back uh, uh, two years ago, mm -hmm. uh, we found you know, that property had seven mineralised intercepts that had never been followed up. But any one of those intercepts could be tantamount to a discovery hole. So you know, our strategy there has been very simple. Then go in, fund the company, and test those, each of those targets. Uh, we did that. And the best example of that strategy playing out well for us has been our the Rock East acquisition. We acquired that off Cameco uh, back in May last year. We paid the princely sum of $300,000 worth of stock and $20,000 in cash to Cameco. Uh, within six weeks, we had a drill rig on site. We only had budget for one hole. We, we were finishing up a program nearby at Geiger. So we wanted to go and just test our very best target. So having done that deal for $320,000 in May, we had a rig out there at the end of June and we announced our discovery hole in July last year, which was a really spectacular result. You know, some of those beautiful high-grade uranium hits that you'd expect from the Athabasca. And we've been drilling ever since. So... For me, you know, I've never seen a company take an acquisition through to discovery so very quickly. Uh, and that's the opportunity that the Eastern Athabasca presents. That's the opportunity that ISO present, presents. So we've got, in the portfolio, we've got 20 other targets that look like that, that, that are, uh, are, are drill-ready follow-up targets to mineralise intercepts that could any one of those could deliver a discovery because now having made that hurricane discovery uh, that's become the focus for us so we've drilled 13 holes there up to up to uh, the end of winter last year and we've now just started a, a follow-up program we're drilling okay. 16 holes over the next two months okay so so if i if I look forward, oh, sorry, let me, start, let me start by looking back. I think I said at the beginning of this interview, you know, this space went from 50 to 500 and back down to 50 again. Uh, operators in the uranium space, when it went, okay? And obviously Fukushima happened and, you know, money became scarce. Um, are you worried about new entrants coming in? Because it's not a case of do you have the best project. It's who makes the most noise and distracts retail investors because... You know that you know the Canadian brokers; they're very good at telling a story uh, without necessarily understanding it. So, do you feel that that could be a distraction for you, or are you very, very confident of your assets, your story, to be able to stand out? Despite sort of, you're not first at the party, okay? You know, next end fish, fish and the, the, can't you can't, okay? they're, they're all there. They're sitting with big assets, so you're not necessarily late to the party, but you're not early either. How are you going to how are you going to stand no, out from this, no. this this swathe of new entrants into the market? 
Yeah, look, well, I, I tell you, you know that that swathe of new entrants, we look forward to that because if, uh, you know, if we're seeing that, then something in the sector broadly is going right. And, of course, you know, they'll all flood back in. Every, you know, every man at his dog will see. Yeah. I'm sure we'll see a lot of Bitcoin miners and companies like that becoming uranium companies again. So we look forward to that day, certainly. Um, but, you know, we, we, we will... <laughs> well, it means that the, the macro picture's picking up and we're getting eyeballs... Uh, back on us, which is which is always a good thing. But you know, I don't think we have to worry too much about standing out because we are the only junior uh, with a recent high-grade discovery that we'll be drilling out as that market kicks off. So, pretty pretty straightforward to to differentiate yourself. And, and you know, we don't get too bogged down in what the competition's doing. You know, we stick to our knitting. I've outlined the strategy there. It's a very clear, straightforward strategy. We'll just stick to our knitting and keep doing that. You know, I, I don't mind if the market stays in the doldrums for another year or two because there are other properties out in the Athabasca that we'd like to put our foot on. Um, and so, you know, we've seen prices, the cost of those deals starting to rise. Uh, it'd be lovely for us to get in and, and do a number of other deals and put our foot on more of that ground out there before right. things take off. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. look forward to selling some of those properties that we've got, some of our our lower priority okay. properties to those guys as they come along. If you suck, man. I, I can't. You just said something. I'm, I'm going to have to ask you. So you say, I don't care if the market stays like this for another year or two because it's it's opportunity. If you've got cash or access to cash, you can buy some stuff up cheap. Great. Yep. Do you think that's a reality? Look, you know, for, for us, we don't mind because we've been here, you know, we're persistent, yeah, no. we're patient, it's patient capital that, that backs us. Yeah. Uh, so we, we don't mind. Do I think it's a reality? And look, I, I don't. I think that the second half of this year, and, you know, I'll preface this by saying I've been spectacularly wrong on this for the past few years because I have thought that enough has taken place that we should have seen prices really take off uh, in the last two years. But... And that's been, you know, to my mind, the industry has been a supply side story. Forget about the demand side. Demand is growing steadily, continuously. But it's really been a supply side story. And those closures, you know, you've seen very high cost operations close. Cost curves, you know, I've never in my career seen a situation where the cost curve sits above the spot price for so long. So something had to give them. We've seen those mine closures happen. Uh, will it last? No, I think enough has been done. Um, you know, that, that the, the, the closure of MacArthur River was the most dramatic thing to my mind. Uh, not only did you see 18 million pounds taken out of the market, Cameco then needed to go and backfill those 18 million pounds because they still had long-term contracts they needed to feed into. So it wasn't just taking 18 million pounds of the market. It was changing the supply-demand balance by 36 million pounds because they then needed to buy that that product on the market. So all those things have taken place, um, and I guess right at the moment, and I know we don't want to go there, but this section 232 petition has really put a, a damper on. The it it has, and, and let's not get into that. Our viewers are had enough of this. <laughs> Let, but I will ask you, as an Aussie, so was it? What is it a security issue, or is it just a commercial decision to do submit the petition oh look i i think for those guys you know it's driven by commercial uh ends absolutely so energy fuels of course they you know i i think completely commercial uh however they've appealed to the security side of things and i think that's right you know i 
uh, why a country, the US is, is of course the biggest consumer of uranium in the world. They, they take up 30, 35% of global demand. So to see all of that product supplied by other nations, um, I don't think makes sense. And I think that, you know, I'd be very surprised if Trump doesn't find the same. Um, I think as much as anything, uh, his decision will be a political one. Uh, well, you've just argued you've just argued a commercial argument. You haven't told me why you think that's a sec- it could be a security one. Oh, look, I, I think for any country like that where they've got, you know, where, where uh, such an important part of their energy mixes from, you know, from from uranium, from nuclear energy, you, you need to secure supply, and and so, you know, I think that 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 is in essence a security issue, not a commercial one. Okay. Um, and and where so much of the world's supply comes from, the former Soviet Union, uh, CIS block countries, um, you know you you need to be careful. I do think, however, though Canada, um, you know Canada and Australia have very strong relationships with uh, yeah. with, with the US, so not really an issue to be getting product and supply from Canada or Australia. But you know you'd okay. certainly want to foster your own internal production. So, is a security issue? Short answer: Yes. That's what you're saying. I think absolutely. And you know, I think for Trump, it's a, it's an opportunity to sink the slippers into the Clintons again, because I think he, you know, people attribute some of uh, of that change in um, supply coming from Kazakhstan to to them. So, I think as as much as anything, it could be a political decision as well. Well, we should know in a, in a week's time. 14th, 14th of July. Um, (laughs) Let's finish it there, Craig. That was a great introduction to the company. Thanks very much for your time. Appreciate that. Um, Let's stay in touch. Keep us abreast of the story as it develops. Um, And uh, yeah, speak to you soon. Sure, Matt. My pleasure. Thanks very much. Thank you very much for watching our video. We do aim to give you informed and intelligent information with which to make your investment decisions. So if you liked what you just saw, please give us a thumbs up. And if you wanna see more insightful, in-depth, honest, and unbiased interviews, then please click the subscribe button. So thanks again for watching, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.